You are Locked On Hornets, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. In a minute, cuz, we live. We live. We live. Welcome to the Locked On Hornets Podcast. We got a lot to get to today. We are now a daily podcast once again, every single weekday, Monday through Friday, starting on this, the Charlotte Hornets Media Day, and we got a lot of material, got a lot of sound for you guys, so it should be a pretty good show coming up. Just myself and Nada today, Doug living it up in Chicago, working extremely hard. I don't know if he's getting to see the sights, I don't know if he's getting to have fun in Chicago at all, but he that's where he resides right now. If you're lucky enough to follow him on Instagram, you know he's seen at least one site. Like they all went on a work field trip. They did not take me. I am salty. I still will be salty. I will remain forever salty. What did they go see? There, they're, they're, they went to go out to like Grant Park and all this stuff. Chicago's fantastic. It have, is. How, how many times have you been? A decent amount? No, I have not. I, I've I've been a couple times. You know, I, growing up, or well, not growing up. I was born in Indianapolis, and again, I, I go to Indianapolis a lot. And Chicago is just three hours from there. Love Chicago. Fantastic city. Just going to do this stuff like you know Navy Pier, Shedd Aquarium. Big animal nerd, so getting to go to the Shedd Aquarium is cool. Chicago is an awesome. It, it's a dope city. So. Pretty cool for Doug to go up there. I'm sure he's working most of the time, but you know Doug is in Chicago. So again, just me and Nada here today. You can follow us on Twitter at Walker Mail and at Nada the Scribe. We're coming to you from the Gittimer.com studios in Uptown Charlotte. If you're in sales and need help, visit Gittimer.com today to learn how they can help you do the one thing you want to do, and that's make more sales. All right, Nada, got to hear from all the Hornets today. Got to hear from everybody basically of importance besides Mitch Kupchak. Yeah, exactly. So where do we start? Oh, uh, wait. I know the perfect guy to start. <laughs> and we have we have sound today, don't we? Well, we do have sound today. It's from Kimba Walker, and Kimba opens it up in a pretty interesting fashion, pretty much shutting everything down. Here's how Kimba opened up his presser today. All right, everybody. So before we start, I'm just going to say I know I'm going to get asked for getting questions. So I, I, I'll answer anything you guys want me to answer, but this is the last time. Like for the rest of the year, no more agency questions, please. So. so one thing, I think cool that he did that. I think he, he addresses everything. He says, look, this is media day. I get it. Free agency is a hot topic of discussion for me. It's the first time I'm ever going to enter free agency like this, where I'm the all-star and I have a choice of wherever I want to go. I will answer all your questions. As he said, I'll answer anything you want. But after that, I'm done. It's all ball from now on. Let's go play basketball, and I'm ready to talk. That's I'll I'll do that. I'll I'll talk about that stuff, but not free agency. I thought that was really cool of Kimba to shut down free agency talk after media day, and we all ask him a decent amount of questions. And you know, once again, he said something to the effect of him wanting to stay here in Charlotte. Here's what he had again to say about his desire to be in the city. But like I said, you know, I, this is where I want to be. I don't want to be nowhere else. You, know, you see guys, you know, wanting to lead teams and you know stuff like that. I don't want to do that. You know, I want to create something here, create something special here in Charlotte, uh, something that we never had here. Uh, you know, I want to create some consistency. Um, I, I want to be a part of it. Uh, that's, that's just how I feel. Um, you know, we, we haven't really been, you know, uh, a consistent winning organization, you know, over the years. And like I said, I want to be the one to, you know be a part of that you know, here in Charlotte. He said it a million times that he wants to stay here in Charlotte. And I think you hear it there. 
He's saying he wants to stay here. You see guys move on from different teams that he doesn't want to do that. I mean, you just heard from Kimba. If you're a Hornets fan, he's saying all the right things. You have to feel pretty good about it. There are other guys out there during free agency that'll kind of leave it up to interpretation. They'll be vague. Kimba's not being vague. No, he's not. He's addressing it specifically and saying that he wants to stay here, and he's done it a couple of times now. And if you're a Hornets fan, you have to feel very good about where Kemba's mind is and where his desire is as a basketball player and where he wants to play basketball. Agreed. But the one thing that it just comes back to, and the biggest thing that I guess I haven't, like when he starts saying all this, the biggest thing that comes back to is if he doesn't stay, this is on the Hornets. This is on the Hornets for not putting anything around him. This is about the Hornets not putting anything around him for years. Because at this point, you've grown, you've developed this guy, and he's been nothing but money for you. Well, and we can go back to Rick Bennell's article quite some time ago, and Kimba addressed that he does not want to be part of a rebuilding process anymore. Yeah. You know, he's ready to win now. And he even Bismack Biombo later in the media day discussed how when he came to the team, by the way, cool story, he found out at 6 a.m. in Paris, I believe. Yes, exactly. He the found best out humble brag ever. Right. He found out in Paris. Right. Yeah, I was just in Paris and I found out I got traded. Now, that's so Bismack. He, he found out and to a, a couple of texts of Kimba from Cody Zeller also texted him as Who well. Who he said Cody hadn't texted him in years. Right. Right. So it was like he figured he figured there would be uh, he, he assumed that he was back in Charlotte. But that one of the things Kimba texted him about was we came in here seven win team we came in together you know we're gonna leave charlotte together and i feel like just that's what kimba has talked about that he wants to build something here he wants to be a part of you know something successful here in charlotte which as we've gone through the 50 greatest or 30 greatest players as we've gone to some of the best times for this franchise you know the best thing that they've ever accomplished is going to the second round of the playoffs and coming within one game of making a conference championship. Oh, it's going to be a lot of work. And quite frankly, I don't know if Kimba has enough time in his prime to see the Hornets make any kind of transition to that or talent around him. But you know where Kimba is mentally. You know he wants to be here. And I look, maybe I'm naive. And I understand that in the world of sports that you can find, you you can certainly roll your eyes at a lot of things that these guys say. I feel it's genuine. I do think that there is a genuine sense that he wants to stay here. And Kimba discusses that he doesn't want to be part of a rebuilding process. I get that. But enter James Borrego, who we'll get to in the second segment. But everyone is excited about his new system, including Kimba, mm-hmm. who said he was very excited about this coaching staff. Which again, they get Jay Hernandez, somebody that he worked with a lot in his basketball career, and they get Borrego, who I think everyone seems to genuinely like. So you, you get all of this here, and I think it's a a good recipe to have Kimba stay here in Charlotte. And you are right; if he doesn't, after he said all of this, after you've made all of these changes, then the Hornets are going to have to look at themselves. You know, short of paying him a ridiculous amount of money, which it's going to take a lot to keep him anyway then I think most people would be pretty angry at the organization for not keeping him and unless you be. want to get part unless you want to get this rebuild process started right now and you're gonna to have to live with bad basketball for the next two three four years which I'm not necessarily willing to do like that's my easy for me I, again Kemba this is all on them this is all on the hornets you've basically made your bed with bad decisions on bad contracts and granted it won't necessarily be Mitch Kupchak's fault because he just got here. But he's the one that's going to have to sign him to a decent, reasonable contract. A contract which I think is not going to require the max. 
I can see him st- settling at five years, one twenty-five. I'm interested to see if other if there's a lot of teams that offer him the max because this is a player that just I, I can see him being right outside of it. I, I feel like it'll be Nick Batum type money at that time. You know what I'm yeah. saying? Where he was, you know, Nick Batum, not a max player, but damn close. I can see it being that kind of money heading towards Kimba Walker as far as the percentage goes. I, like I get it. I, I just don't think he's going to accept that much. And I think he's going to be one of those guys that takes the home count, hometown get discount. More importantly, as I've said many times before on this podcast, if he leaves, it's not going to be to where you think, most likely. Yeah. It's not going to be Brooklyn. It's well, not going to be the Knicks. Well, we'll see. And you talk about this Charlotte Hornets team. They're implementing a new system. James Borrego comes in here. And he was asked a lot of questions about playing for James Borrego. And he said that he is excited to play in it. And he talked about being more aggressive here. And, of course, the run-and-gun style of play, which if there's anything to take away from media day and the stylistic changes, it's that you're going to be huffing and puffing on this team. Yes, you will. Because these boys run up and down the floor at an extremely fast pace. That is what is, that's what's going to be implemented on offense. And, it, and Kimba, you know, he sounds excited about it. He's talked about the ways that he's worked on his game, finishing at the rim. There's going to be more three-pointers taking, taken, which Kimba has proven. He's one of the better three-point shots in the game today. So all of that adheres to his skill set. And interesting enough, he talked about Tony Parker, who did speak before Kimba Walker did. That was a lot of media members' favorite questions today. You know, yeah. People are interested in how Tony Parker affects Dwight, his team. And, which we'll talk about later. <laughs> right. Dwight, Dwight was interesting, but Tony Parker, a lot of people wanted to know his effect on everybody. Every single person that came up, maybe short of Cody Zeller, you know, yeah. Uh, everyone asked all these players about Tony. Marvin's Parker. Cole might have been the f- my favorite of it of them. That though. he's not the old guy anymore. Yeah, exactly. Right. Yeah, he's, he's not the <laughs> old guy anymore. Well, he's not the oldest. He's still the yeah. old guy. But Tony Parker, being thirty six, he, he you know somebody asked him what he wants to take from Tony Parker's game, and he said everything. You know, anything that he can soak up like a sponge that he'll do. But then the the specific thing he got to was his mid-range game. The floater game, yeah. yeah the, the floater game. Tony Parker's floater is one of the best of all time. You know, he, he gets into the paint at will and has when he was a prime, when he was in his prime with the San Antonio Spurs. And Kimba said that's the thing he's worst at. You know, that get, getting in that mid-range game, he says he's a good three-point shooter, getting to the rim, maybe not finishing as efficiently, but he's working on that as well. He said he wants to take... The mid-range game from Tony Parker, and I think that will help. And I think you know him and Tony, both aggressive guys. Kimba mentioned this, Nada. He said he compared to he and Tony Parker finishing out games, which is what James yeah. Brago has talked about with those two guys being at the end of these games. I think this is the part I was actually si- in for. Situa- situational play. He compared he and Tony Parker a lot like what he imagines – what he played with Jeremy Lin. So yeah. he, what, what he imagines playing with Tony Parker, he compared that to playing with Jeremy Lin, that both of those guys, smart, aggressive point guards, then he smiled about it. He was excited about it. He was he wants to play with Tony at the end of game situations when pressed upon that. And I thought that was some interesting stuff from Kemba's part of media day. Yeah, um, there's a little story. I kind of showed up a little bit late to media day because I had some uh, studio work to do. Right. And But I did find it really interesting that of all the stuff that he did, he mentioned Jeremy Lin, the Jeremy Lin experience, and if Tony Parker gives us anything similar to Jeremy Lin, it's a steal on that contract. Which, which he won't. I, I don't. He's not going to give us that. 
The the one thing Tony Parker was said though was you know he had that injury in 2017, mm-hmm. and that most people discuss those types of injuries. His injury as being one where the year you come back from it being rough, but the second year after that, your body st- starts to feel a lot better. So he's excited to see what his body brings on that second year after his injury in 2017. And, you know, Kimba, so a good part from today, by the way, just, you know, I say this as I'm a seasoned vet in this game, Mm-mm. but interesting to see Kimba just grow and develop within the market. I mean, how much more like entertaining, comfort. Uh, comfort, entertaining, how just the way that he's grown with this with this market and you know having the the microphone in his face after games you know he's just I'm not going to say that he's shy but it's just somebody that wasn't overwhelmingly wanting to talk to you right like he was you know pretty safe in his own space and just wanted to stay there that's not Kim anymore Kim is comfortable with you now man it's it's pretty cool to see him grow it seems like each year and it, it, the dude has just become an outstanding player and also not that he wasn't an outstanding human but man that guy it's just he's just an awesome dude like he he is the best Charlotte Hornet in every single manner of personality of human being of of just skill on the court Kim is the man yeah Kemba is literally the person that you would want an ideal franchise player of as the best player in your franchise's history to be. He is that guy now. Yeah, he is. It, it was cool to see him, and uh, that was Kimba's portion of Media Day. A lot of uh, interesting stuff to get to as well with these other players' comments. We'll get to that after the break. But first, I want to talk to you about Vivid Seats. Nothing beats the thrill of watching your favorite teams and your favorite artists perform live, and Vivid Seats is here to help you find your seat to the Panthers game To the Charlotte Hornets game, whatever concert or show you might go to, Vivid Seats is here to help. They're offering great prices and a purchasing experience that is super easy. All Vivid Seats confirmed orders are backed by 100% guarantee. It's 100%, so you can't beat that. And supporting Vivid Seats, it does mean that you're supporting us. It means you're supporting this show. So here's what we need you to do. You need to go to the App Store or Google Play. You can download the Vivid Seats app. You can enter promo code Locked On to receive $20 off orders of $200 or more. That's Locked On, all one word, all caps, and you will get $20 off of your order of $200 or more. Once again, Vivid Seats, you help them, you help us, and we all appreciate it. We'll take a quick break. We'll come back with more. I'm Walker Mail alongside Nada Edwards. We'll talk to you after the break here on the Locked On Hornets podcast. You are listening to the Locked On Hornets podcast. The one draft pick you hit on was Kimba Walker, and you, you drafted Bismack Biamba before him. Oh! You got it right the second time, which is great. I am the smart. SMRT. But you drafted Biombo before Kimba Walker. So, <laughs> again, you almost messed that one up as well. It's time for more of the Locked On Hornets podcast. Fantasy football is underway, and we have two fantasy football shows to help you max your scores here on the Locked On Network. Fantasy football 24-7 gives you all the latest news, waiver suggestions, and injury news. Locked On Fantasy Football is now Locked On Fantasy Football with experts with amazing guests every day. So Mondays, Tom Kucinich. Tuesdays, Eric Edholm. And Wednesdays, you have Jeff Ratliff and Tyler Lechner. So some good stuff, fantasy football. How are you doing in your season? Nada. I am this close. I'm about 10, 12 points away from my opponent, away from losing my first game this season. I'm doing pretty well. I'm not Doug. I'm who, not do, who, do they, who do they have? 
Who do they have going tonight? I, let me go look. I haven't even really, really looked at this. All right, while you do that, okay. my fantasy football team, I, I'm in a quite a few. I, it's It's been a pretty 500 season for you me. You serial and killer, a, you. And a lot I am. And, and it's been a pretty 500 season for me. But maybe we need to listen to these guys, not especially me. Apparently yeah, you speak don't. Speak for yourself. If you, well, it depends on how you do it tonight. I hope you lose tonight with that attitude. You know, I, you know what? I hope the Monday night curse comes and gets you. You know, Walker, that is such a mean thing to say. <laughs> By the way, I am OJ Howard getting 12, actually, yeah, 12 points away from losing. So they have OJ. They and have if OJ. If he gets 12 points, I lose. OJ's a big play guy, too. We'll yeah, see. Yeah, I, I, know. I feel like you're going to win that one if I, I had to bet safe. my money, but. O.J. Howard might get that done, so we'll see with the Steelers and the Buccaneers tonight. More from Media Day. Some of the more interesting comments I wanted to get into. We have yeah. to address Kimba because you know he is he's the franchise. But I want to get into some of Frank Kaminsky's comments. Malik Monk, Dwayne Bacon, Nick Batum, a lot of these guys here in this segment. Frank Kaminsky's role in this offense and his comments on the style mm-hmm. of what is going to be implemented here and what was implemented last season. If there was one thing I could gather from this segment, from this portion of Media Day, from Frank Kaminsky's segment on the mic, it was that the dude is happy that Steve Clifford is gone. Yeah, that <laughs> was one thing that was I mean, obvious. how many times did he make, I'm not going to say they were intentional subtle jabs, but you could tell the guy wanted to discuss how he did not like what Steve Clifford implemented last year. As many times as he said culture, he was either going to be a scientist or a writer. He he did. He talked about culture quite a bit. He talked about the chemistry of this team, the style of play that Steve Clifford Clifford had last season. Here's Frank Kaminsky on on more about Steve Clifford and just some of the other stuff that he experienced in 2018. This summer, obviously, they implemented. What do you envision your role being here this year? Um... I feel like I'm a guy that can play multiple positions still. Um, you know, it's all going to be matchup oriented. Um, you know, I think that's something we didn't do in the past here. Um, you were kind of in a, in a role, uh, and it wasn't really changed game to game. It wasn't really predicated on what the other team was doing. So uh, I felt like we stuck in our game plan and our routine and our roles last year and didn't stray away from that. Um, and that's good to an extent. Um, but I think this coaching staff and, and the way we're trying to change things is we're going to be a more reactive team. Um, you know, we're going to be ready for what other teams are trying to throw at us, and we're going to have counter moves for that. It's, it's all part of the game plan and the routine and, and what we're trying to do here. Um, so my role to be in that is to be able to be ready for whatever's asked of me. Um, so Frank Kaminsky discussing getting locked into roles last year, maybe not the best thing for this team, that they're going to be more reactive is what I, he said. I'm hoping he may, meant pro, proactive. I'm really hoping Frank meant pro, proactive. Well, I one. think he meant reactive in the fact that they're going to make adjustments. And normally when you talk about coaches, you discuss how good coaches are in game situations. And everyone talks about halftime adjustments, how well teams come out and play in the third quarter and then make adjustments down the line, try to come up with different plays and all that. And it seems like he just said Steve Clifford just really didn't have all that many changes, that they were locked into their role and it didn't matter what team they were going up against that night and I get it from a Steve Clifford aspect because he's like players like consistency I guess he was overly consistent and I like you can't say this Frank unless you were prepared to back it up this season like you can't basically submarine your coach or subtweet your coach which is essentially what you did today and we have the other comment about 
Frank Kaminsky discussing just some of the ways that I might have lost that. One. No, that's fine. <laughs> but there is the comment that he discussed with later on in that, you know, in, in his portion up there at the mic. He discussed that, you know, there was a time in Chicago where he was on the perimeter guarding Chicago's point guard. And he said to us, he said he thought to himself, why am I guarding Chicago's point guard right now? And everybody laughed, and it's kind of funny. He opens up to us about how he just didn't believe in that system, or basically he just didn't necessarily understand why he was put in those situations. And to me, it just it just got all the feels about how he felt about Steve Clifford and just didn't think very highly of him. And I'll let that transition us into Malik Monk, where Malik Monk kind of had some similar comments as well. Malik Monk is thrilled to be in this new system. As Frank Kaminsky might not be as thrilled to be in this new one as he is just to be away from the last one, Malik Monk is thrilled to jump in full steam ahead with this run-and-gun type of style that James Borrego is going to implement. Here's here's Malik Monk on the new style that's going to be implemented by James Borrego. I'm not worried about that pace. I'm not worried about that pace. Um, We've been up there scrimmaging, like I said, with with 12-second shot clocks. Mm. So just to just to get the the, the pace up uh, and, and get run and get shape too. So. But the, the, the I want not as drop in there. I want that to be a drop. Anytime somebody says something interesting, mm. no, because again, <laughs> when you hear twelve, no, when you hear twelve <laughs> seconds, nah, for real, mm. I heard twelve seconds. I was just like, you got to be kidding me. Mm, I like that. Yeah, no, <laughs> I, that surprised me. You sounded like Enos Cantor getting your nipples hard when you heard of that. That's what it sounded like. It, it was kind of cold in there. <laughs> well, well, I think you were more turned on by the twelve second shot clock. When you hear twelve second shot clock. Your nipples get hard. That's a reference to Enos Kanter, in case you think I'm just coming up with the top of my dome. Please no, no, check no, that no, out. no, no. <laughs> Don't put that on me. But Malik Monk implementing that. Like, how, how cool is that, right? Like, how interesting. You know, 12-second shot clocks. James Borrego has these guys practicing with. And once Malik Monk revealed that, Malik was like, what, the fourth guy to pop up on the podium today? Exactly. No one else talked about it before that. Yeah, no one talked about it. It was Tony Parker. It was Kimba. It was Borrego beforehand. And then Malik Monk comes to the mic, and he's the first one to drop that. And everybody's ears perked up. Everybody, hmm. Everybody was interested. I was not alone. You were not alone. I feel like that was a group media collective, hmm. And everybody was interested, so you have this 12-second shot clock. One, we're not messing around anymore. Like We're about to get up and down the floor here in Charlotte. They discuss how everyone is kind of bought into that. Kimba likes it. Frank talked about how he liked it. You know, it obviously fits Cody Zeller's part. Those Zeller boys run. Yeah. Tyler Zeller came to North Carolina running and gunning his freshman year. Cody did the same thing his lone year at Indiana. Luke Zeller in the Notre Dame basketball player was able to get up and down the floor. Like it, it just fits the Zellers. It's tailor made for that kind of big man to run down the floor and get rewarded. It, it fits a lot of these guys, Malik Monk being one of them. How often did we really get to see Monk's athleticism displayed last year? Not much. We didn't get to see it. It it didn't adhere to Malik Monk being able to go and slam it on somebody. Like we saw a couple of times maybe here and there, but I think you're going to be able to see his athleticism on display because that was something that wowed all of us. You know, Malik Monk's not a tall dude. And to see him go up and slam it home with one hand and be able to create some space for him, I think that's going to really help him on top of the space created for him and the confidence in him to shoot these three-pointers. You know, he, he was very, very praiseworthy of what James Brago had to say about Malik and this new system that is going to be implemented here. Like J- Malik Monk is happy that Borrego is here right now, and I think we're all happy to see him in it. 
Yeah, as am I. And quite frankly, there are a lot of things that I'm very happy about, especially when you start hearing the 12 second thing. There's going to be guys like MKG. This benefits him in ways I don't think we realize yet, because as a small ball four, his ability to get up and down has always been great in Charlotte. As long as he stays healthy and as long as he can do a little bit of something defending the four. And I was I'm one of those guys that was never really big on having Malik Monk as the four. I'm okay with it. No, not Malik Monk. MKG, MKG as the four. Yeah, as, I, Malik Monk as the four probably doesn't work. No, no. Ne- that'll never work. <laughs> It'll never, ever, ever work. I, I, I like small ball, but I don't like yeah, you know, exactly. miniature basketball. That's itty-bitty kitties. That's what it is. Uh, MKG at the four is can, uh, is interesting. You know, it, it seems like that's the guy that might be the odd man out in all of this, but perhaps in that— I still think it's Frank. Uh, and I hear, and it might be Frank, but Frank talked about how the five— looks like that might be a position where he's going to play a lot this season. That sounds, but honestly, that also sounds like the same people that say, I put on 15 pounds of muscle or I lost 15 pounds and got more athletic over the season. That's what that sounded like at the same time. Yeah, I'm interested. You're going to see a lot. I make his role, Frank Kaminsky's role within this offense. That one's going to be one where I feel like they can make it work. You know, in theory, it makes sense with them wanting to run a little bit more, them wanting to open up the floor, them Mm -hmm. wanting to shoot a lot more threes. You know, you know, Frank. Frank does that, but then you talk about the defense, and and yeah, that's, that's where, where it goes out the window. Yeah. That's where you lose. That's where you lose the Frank ideology. So I don't know. It'll be interesting to see. Real quickly before we take one more break, Nick Batum, emphatic about playing the three. We saw him on Twitter. That's where we got. We can go to new. We can go to Nick Batum's Twitter handle and get some news about old Nick Batum. He'll 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 let you have it. Uh, every once in a while. Here here's Nick Batum today on playing the four position rather than playing the two. When you're shooting guard, yeah, you got a shooting guard. You know, that's the, the term of that of that position. And I think to be the small forward or be more forward too is gonna be different for the team. I think it'd be better for the team and myself because we have a real shooting guard player <coughs> to me and Kemba. We have Jeremy Lamb, get Malik Monk, get Dwayne Baker, get those three guys are really shooting guard. They can really be great for that spot. And I think me as a small forward is being my is my better position. You know, that's the way I got drafted when I played with rookie. I was a small forward for a playoff team in the West. My seven years when I played there. And my first year here, because MKG was out, I was a small forward. Next recruitment league and came back. And to think that's the best year we had in the last four years. So I think it'd be a good thing for for the team myself. These these players, one, you just hear it again. These players were ready to move to a different system. Yeah. These players are ready to move on. And I, I'll fight tooth and nail for Steve Clifford and him as a good basketball coach every day of the week. I also understand that both things can be true. He's a good basketball coach. And also, it's time to move on. Get somebody in here and have somebody else because his message was getting lost. I think you could see that. These guys weren't these guys weren't down to play like Steve Clifford wanted them to play anymore. Exactly. A friend of mine, a former guest of this show, Colin Hoggard, compared him on Twitter, I believe, once to Scott Skiles. And I could see that comparison where Scott Skiles will you'll flourish, you'll get there, but you'll burn out on him awfully quickly. Yeah, and, and you might have these guys might have burned out. Here's the guys that didn't. Kimba Walker didn't burn out on Steve Clifford. Marvin. Marvin did not burn out on Steve Clifford. I think those but were a couple of list. guys. Yeah, and that and there, you know, and it's probably the most important guys you want on your side. Like if you were to pick, you know, the two most important guys I want on my side, it might be the best player that you have in Kimba and maybe the most respected player just as a vet, just as a guy that you have in Marvin Williams, but then it, it started to wane. 
Yeah. Every day. May, maybe Cody when he's in, you know, I, I could see that, but I just, you know, maybe Cody's just not the one that's complaining. But these guys are excited. And and Nick Batum, pretty emphatic about playing for a West Coast playoff team. He was the three. My first year in Charlotte, when it was Kimba and Jeremy in the backcourt, I was the three. All right. Like he he wants everyone to know I'm the three. I'm good now. When I've been the small forward, I was somebody that was very productive in this league. And Nick Batum has taken a lot of criticism. Because of that contract, I think a lot of it's fair. Nada, I know you use it as a litmus test to discuss the Charlotte Hornets team. Yes. I know that you think he gets fair, unfairly criticized sometimes. I do think that there's a lot of problems with Nick Batum the past couple of years. I do think that this is going to work better this season. I think you will have Nick Batum's best season as a Charlotte Hornet since the first one. He's certainly going to be better than the last two. It's not saying a whole lot, but I do think that you see an improvement from the last two seasons and in a pretty significant way. Is it bad that I think that his second season here, where everything was up in, in his scoring, was his best season? The, before his first? Before, after the second one. His second season was his best statistical Nah, his season. first season was his best to me. The playoff run. Everyone says the playoff one, but you start looking at the numbers. His numbers went up. His scoring numbers But his efficiency. Was, his efficiency was in the tank, but I would also th- <laughs> say that for a guy like that, his whose efficiency is tied to his teammates. I think there's an you might have an issue when it, or a guy like that's efficiency will take a hit when you're talking about he relies on his teammates to distribute the ball. That's the first time we saw the holes in Nick Batum's game was at the two. Now, granted, there were a lot of people that emphasized having first year Nick Batum there, specifically Kemba Walker. I believe also Borrego emphasized player again. First year Nick Batum was at his best. I think there is something to that. I also believe that if we get a combo of first year Nick Batum, second year Nick Batum, I think we have a playoff team here. This is why I continue to believe that this team is going to be better than a lot of national pundits think. And I'm saying that as quote unquote a national pundit. <laughs> to you, you've, you've turned, you are the local slash national pundit. And again, everybody wants Nick Batum to be more aggressive. You know, Kimba talked about we want him to be more aggressive. Tony Parker, the Nick Batum whisperer, as Rick Bennell called yes. him on Twitter, which they've called each other brothers. You know, Tony calls him, calls Nick his little brother. Tony Parker wants Nick Batum to be more aggressive this year. Nick had a weird year last season, not playing for the national team at all like he had every year prior. He got hurt at the beginning of that season. He wasn't healthy for a little while. You know, it was a weird year. You want to That's see Nick, the other thing. And, and, I I can see some of that criticism. You know, at, at some point that excuse wears off, but I get you. Like there there is some there is a decent reason for him to kind of come slow out of the gate on that. And everybody wants Nick to be more aggressive, and I think you'll start to see that here in 2018-2019. Uh, we're going to take a quick break. We'll come back with more just to put a bow on this episode today. A lot of the other players' comments we'll try to get to. Dwight Howard's impact last season. We'll get to that as well. The Lockdown Network is expanding with college shows coming this week. Lockdown Wolverines, Lockdown Buckeyes, and Lockdown Seminoles. That all came last week, I should say. Plus, we're already locked on to the Ducks, the Nittany Lions, the Bears, the Crimson Tide, the Wildcats, Razorbacks, Volunteers, and also the Cougars. So find your favorite college show on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or Spotify. We'll take a quick break. We'll come back with more here on the Lockdown Hornets Podcast on the Lockdown Podcast Network. This is Locked On Hornets. Charlotte. How strong is an ox? 
Are we? I think we're overrating the ox. Uh, we I, are not overrating I, the I ox. Need to see, I need mm. to see some medicals on the ox. Yeah, why don't you do the research on that? You put your lab glasses on. You take a look at it. You can. wonder if there's anything on the internet. It's time for more of the Locked on Hornets podcast. Marvin Williams also got on the mic today, as did every player, and the Dwight Howard questions were coming in. Kimba addressed it. A couple of other players addressed Dwight Howard, but Marvin Williams, he he went on the David Glenn show a while back. I forget how long ago, but it wasn't too long ago. And he dispelled all of those rumors that Dwight Howard was a problem in the locker room. He also discusses that Dwight Howard was a guy that just didn't fit with this organization. And that wasn't his fault, but it just didn't fit as far as the the on-the-court product. Here's Marvin Williams today on Dwight Howard. It was a disappointing season. Uh, I'll say that. I think any player that you talked to that was here last year will say that as well. Um, I will also say again that Dwight Howard was not a problem in our locker room. I mean, he was one of the most fun guys to be around. Uh, he almost plays almost two more times. <laughs> I mean, he just likes to have a good time. You know what I mean? And there's nothing wrong with that. That's who he is. You know, I feel like he's been criticized for that a ton, and it's unfortunate. Uh, but he was not a problem. Sometimes when you look at a situation on paper, it looks like it's going to be fantastic, and it just doesn't work. And that happened. Dwight's a professional. He's been in situations like that before. I've been in situations like that before. The more and more you play, the more and more you'll see things like that. But he was not an issue in our locker room at all. That was a collective lack of effort, I would say, from us as players. Uh, the coaching staff did everything they, that they could have. You know, Cliff has always had a career. He did a fantastic job of having us ready each and every night. We just didn't do the best job as players collectively to win enough games. Leave it to Marvin Williams to articulate that the best possible freaking way. Yeah. I mean, we've talked about the Dwight Howard effect before. I have been more so on the side of, I don't think Dwight Howard was this huge cancer in the locker room. People love to throw that around. Specifically here, I can't speak for Atlanta. I can't speak for Houston. I can't speak for the other teams. There's a reason he's getting shipped. I get that. I don't think that this dude was so unbearable in the locker room. What I think was, as you just saw, I think Marvin's turn to Billy Hernan Gomez, who he just so happened to be sharing the mic with, I think that told you a lot about the Dwight Howard problem as far as the personality goes. And the fact that it's not a huge problem, but he might play too much, right? Like Dwight Howard, he just... You know, the guy's not this most serious dude in the world. Yeah, there's one fat or there's one fart joke too many. <laughs> there's just one too many. And maybe that might get a tad bit annoying, but that the dude's not a cancer in the locker room. And I think Marvin has said that. Kimba has said that. You've talked to a lot of different Charlotte Hornets who have said, no, the, the guy's not a, a destroyer of all locker rooms in the NBA. And Marvin would also go on to say about Dwight that the one thing that Dwight does not get credit for that people will either disregard or choose not to mention the fact that the guy is helping Billy Hernan Gomez one-on-one late at night on defense, right? Like, you know, some of the individual defensive practices, something Marvin talked about some of the other stuff that he is willing to help his teammates out that nobody talks about with Dwight Howard, but that Marvin Williams was sure to mention and, and good on this team, man. How about, how about this team coming to bat for Dwight where you didn't get that from the Lakers? You didn't get that from Houston. I don't think you got that at all from Atlanta. I think you Atlanta had was pretty. One guy, you had Malcolm Jenkins, I believe, or I forgot Malcolm Delaney. Malcolm Delaney. Malcolm Delaney did come to his defense. 
he was the only guy that came to his defense. And and if there were a couple of guys that I'm missing, I apologize. But I, I again, it's just if there were, it's so far and few between. I, I don't know of any of them. Right. The, like the other one that I know of, the other major guy that I know that defended Dwight was Kevin McHale. McHale was like Dwight was the only guy that. Well, Kevin doesn't like James. <laughs> There's also that. Too. Kevin McHale doesn't like James Harden. He can't stand his defense. You hear him on the Levitard show talk about James Harden's defense like that was a marriage that just did not work but you're right I mean there were there are a couple here and there but all of the Hornets are discussing at least anytime they've been asked about Dwight we haven't heard anything negative about Dwight beyond the beyond the aspect of him maybe playing too much and I think that's just what he is man the guy's not serious you know Shaq wasn't serious now when you dominate the game like that maybe it's a little bit different but you you get guys like that is my point you get guys that are just kind of goofballs and that's what Dwight Howard was and now he's gone to the Washington Wizards and the Charlotte Hornets team is going to move on but they all were and it's not like they were disregarding the problems that was Dwight on the court I mean, they acknowledge it just didn't fit. And I think Marvin Williams just says it perfectly. Yeah, he does say it perfectly. And the other thing is, I, and I guess, again, you're going to have, Pod Dad, you're going to have to begrudge me a little bit. All right. Or, or at least, again, allow me to air this one out. All right, son. Shout out to the guy <laughs> out there at press day. You know who you were if you were listening to this. Shout out to the guy that was, that clearly had the, was Dwight Howard. He was on his Dwight info. Yeah, exactly. And he was just like, oh, let me go ask Kemba about Dwight. Let me go ask Marvin about Dwight. Let's go ask Frank about Dwight. Let's go ask Nick about Dwight. Like, dude, you didn't bring any of the questions to the table. Like, seriously, lay off. He was like, at, This guy was pretty one-minded in getting these Dwight Howard questions out of the way, which I appreciate. You know, I, I appreciated some. I wanted to know about some Dwight stuff, but it was kind of funny. That was his angle. That was his angle. That was his sole angle. Kimba, Kimba's, Kimba's direct quote once was like, come on, man, why you got to bring Dwight's name into this? About exactly. why the season didn't go the way they wanted it to last year. And that was funny for Kimba to see. All right, let's do some quick hits on some other guys. Okay. Just, just kind of go down the line here and do some quick hits. Um, one more thing from Marvin. Marvin says that JB wants him to not just take the right three-point attempts, but he wants to take more. He wants the volume to increase from Marvin Williams and shoot beyond the arc you like that I love it basically because Marvin was our second best three-point shooter all year and I think Marvin there was some worries about him being just a one guy a one-year guy a mm-hmm. couple of years ago had the down year now did it again this season like he actually shot better this season yeah I hope you get that again I think you do from Marvin Williams Cody Zeller says this style adheres better to his skill set do you agree yes but I hope he holds up same I think it does. I think the guy can just run. I think yeah. it does adhere to his skill set better. Jeremy Lamb, he acknowledges that it's a big year. Also, how much he's developed since he came here as a Charlotte Hornet his first season to where he is now. He's in a contract year. Uh, Nada, what do you think about Jeremy Lamb acknowledging it's a big year? How big do you think it is? I'm glad he can count. <laughs> We'll go to Billy Hernan Gomez. I agree. Billy Hernan Gomez, he discussed how much he's worked on his shooting. Not, I know you have not been cemented in the fact that Cody Zeller starts at the five this year. I'm more confident in it than you are, but I do agree there's a role as long as Billy is hitting those corner threes like he was at Summer League. He discussed how important Summer League was to him. What do you think about Billy Hernan Gomez putting that in his repertoire and how much he has an impact for this team? I still think he's probably the dark horse guy to start. I just don't think... Cody is there yet physically Uh, again he even talked about him just getting right physically a month ago at media day I think there is something to that I'm not sure he starts 
But, I again, I think Billy Hernan Gomez is the most impactful big that they'll have all season. And Miles Bridges and Devontae Graham, both the rookies, stepped up to the mic today. And Devontae Graham said his knee injury is good. He's fine. We got very scared for a yes. brief moment in time. Very scared. We both love ourselves some Devontae Graham, as do the Hornets. They're big on him. Tony Parker mentioned that the Hornets really like Devontae Graham, that he's a strong guy, that he's a good backup point guard. He addressed his knee injury. He's fine, so good stuff there. And Miles Bridges, he talked about Summer League and how tough it was, how good it was for him. And he was asked a question about how everybody is so surprised how athletic Miles Bridges is, how how he is. And he said, you know, I don't get it. Don't these guys get taped? Don't these guys that was watch the funniest me play basketball? <laughs> don't these guys watch basketball? They I can jump a little bit. I can jump. What do you think each of these guys' impacts is in their first rookie season in the NBA? If we're lucky, we don't see much of Devontae Graham because that means Tony Parker is doing his job. And that means Devontae Graham gets a lot of G League time, a lot of time getting seasoning, learning the playbook. And next season is when he has his coming out party. Miles Bridges is different, though. Miles if he does what I think he can do, and if he's anywhere functional as a as a rookie, and granted, rookies are not expected to be good, nor should they ever really be expected to be really good. If he does the right thing and he scores and that three is hitting, that's your small bowl four of the future. He's in the mix. He's in the mix this year. With all the position versatility, he's a guy that you could see get a decent amount of minutes, even if it is his rookie season. All right. Thanks so much, guys, for listening to us here on the Locked On Podcast Network. We are Locked On Hornets. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Locked On Hornets. Subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Overcast, wherever you get your podcast. Just search Locked On Hornets. We are daily. No more waiting a couple days. No more waiting weeks. We will be here tomorrow, and I think we might be here with the full band. We'll check with Doug. Yeah. He will be back in Charlotte, so hopefully he can contribute tomorrow. But you will have myself, Walker Mail. You'll also have my boy, Nada Edwards. We'll be back with you tomorrow again. We're back daily here on the Locked On Hornets podcast. See you guys. <laughs>